0: I like the city I've been browsing. Treading water, that they drowning. My head on a swivel, yeah. It's only really my surroundings.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore dadff. And joining me again is, is Rookie Fever, John. John, this class has me so excited. We just were like, so we've got, like, we got to do another podcast, right? We got to get in here. And got I think to. the the biggest struggle right now is trying to give you guys How to make it applicable. And today, you guys have been asking about the running backs. You've been asking about, you know, how to break things down. When we have an awesome, you know, future guest, Garrett Price, uh, came out and he he did a landing spot. Not where he wants everybody to go, but where he mocked everybody to go out of those core fantasy positions, right? We know Daniel Jeremiah and, you know, everyone else is out there putting their mocks. We don't want to hear about offensive linemen. We don't want to hear about D linemen. This is fantasy, baby. We want to hear about them running backs, those quarterbacks. And he has a, a nice list here. And I'm excited to, to break that down here for you. Um, and then once we go over them, I want to hear your biggest take of like, who who's where they should be, who do you think falls. And as we go through the process, like this is an exercise, okay, just for everybody that's going out there. Like I, I put the, the my rankings between the 2022 and 2023 class based off this mock. So this is just something fluid, so you guys can start to see what are the good landing spots. Where do I want my rookie running backs to go, and and if they do, where are they going to be? So his first guy he has in there, 110 Bijan Robinson to the Eagles. Now this is a little bit earlier than than a lot of mock drafts have him, but John bijon robinson to the eagles is like can B. John robinson hype get any higher the answer is no but if he goes to the eagles i mean it is verified this is kind of a a race car this is a for putting a ferrari into an offense that's already ready for it you know like i, I saw a lot of people on there were like well you know player x y and z is going to eat into that we just saw miles sanders ball out you know we saw miles sanders as an rb1 you insert bijon robinson into that situation
0: and man that just
1: further verifies. That's our RB1 overall.
0: Yeah, this is like putting nitros into the Ferrari at that point. It's really two things, right? If he gets that kind of draft capital, like top 10 overall, and he goes to the Eagles, it is just wheels up situation. It already kind of is, but it's already getting so pricey, like we've talked about. This this would actually be a scenario where his value would go up. Now I have heard some people say, "Ah, oh, no, well, that's not not so great." In Philly, Jalen Hurts is going to take a lot of touchdowns away. I'm like, I'm not so that's sure, just, right? That's just a like, narrative.
1: I mean, we I, just saw like Miles, Miles Sanders, Sanders. hit yeah, the. Exactly. The the problem in the past was the fact that Miles Sanders wasn't getting that full usage until it came into that contract year. You know, they're going to, you know, use Bijan right off the bat. And yeah, it will take away a couple of touchdowns. But I think this is just one of those dream landing spots. You know, with Bijan Robinson, uh, people keep asking, is there a landing spot where he wouldn't be the one-on-one? And the answer is no. You no, know what I mean? No. I, we even got to a point where a guy messaged me and he said, what is the scenario where B. John Robinson isn't the one oh one? I said, there isn't one. He goes, what if he tears his ACL in a, in a grocery store parking lot? And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe if we get that going, you know, like, I'll put that I, out there, I, we'll, we'll debate that for the one, for one verse two. But I mean, B. John Robinson is that one We've been talking about it every, every single podcast. And, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot to really, unfold right, there it's right. just it it, is further it is. if he's he's going to get round one draft capital we already know that it's just mm-hmm. how high if it's yep. 10 man that means the eagles really are, are super committed to continuing a luxury
0: pick there yeah they're, they're going to try to get back to the super bowl right with that pick
1: exactly and then they have another one in the 20s which is even before our next guy off the bat so we might even mm-hmm. be able to take him mm-hmm. in this particular uh mock draft jameer gibbs goes to the kansas city chiefs at Pick 31, yeah. another one that's just the biggest thing I've taken away from this. And I've tried to tell everybody, we talk about that volatile running back landscape. You know, it sounds like Josh Jacobs is going to go back to the Raiders on a franchise tag. Sounds like Pollard's going to be there on a franchise tag. Sounds like Saquon's mm-hmm. going back. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, open areas. What I'm trying yeah. to do is if you have Isaiah Pacheco, right? If you have mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we were just talking about in the group chat about packaging to get mm-hmm. give Edwards-Hilaire in a third for a second at this point. You know, if yeah. you can get any second for Pacheco, especially if they have a good Super Bowl, we're recording before the Super Bowl. But these are times to like mm-hmm. move on these guys because KC adding Jameer Gibbs is what we wanted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be, right? <laughs> like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the RB6, maybe five in that class. Gibbs is my RB2. You put that RB2 with the... The best PPR chops in this class, in my opinion, to the Chiefs. Man, this especially in a team that doesn't have wide receivers. A team that's just you know Kelsey's getting a little bit older. Jameer Gibbs gets a little bit closer to Bijan Robinson here if he goes to K. People's minds.
0: Yeah, the, the, I think I think you know we've been having this tear break after the top three, which we consistently have been Bijan, Young, and Stroud so far. And we talked about maybe JSN at four. In my just even as of today, I've been kind of playing around with putting Gibbs back into the, the fourth spot. That's crazy. I, I, you know, it's a I have thing
1: Yeah. And, I, I, in this particular one, let's let's take because this is got what's going to be the defender. Yeah, Those guys are in that same it. tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Price has JSN going at fourteen to the Patriots, so he becomes yeah. that wide receiver one for the Patriots. And you get Gibbs here to KC. Does that differentiate for you
0: yet? It, it does. Like in this case, exactly like you just said, I would move Gibbs into the four spot here because getting late round one draft capital for a running back, first of all, is huge. And it puts him on a five-year rookie contract. And I, don't, I just don't love the landing spot for Jason going to the Patriots, right? Because they're not a, a real pass-heavy team. Now, um, it's interesting. Like we saw the slot-type receivers clean up in New Mm -hmm. England for all those years. You think about the the Edelman's, right, that just got peppered. But they also had Tom Brady. Correct. That was back when McDaniel was there. So you know, I just don't love it quite as much in the current offense that we're seeing now. Maybe it gets better, new OC and Patriots. But for me, coming back to Gibbs, like we're here to talk about Gibbs here with round one draft capital going to the Chiefs. I would put him – it at four overall and consider actually putting him into that top tier. I think the one Oh four would be more valuable. Now here's what I think we're going to hear from the dynasty community, which again, is very savvy. What is going to be different this time than CEH? Why I, would this work um, for Gibbs and not CH? Well, yeah, I've had that
1: nonstop. That's the question after I posted this. And my thing was what I just prefaced with was CEH mm-hmm. was not in the top five running backs. He was not somebody who you were like. This is where he is from a talent perspective, you know. Yeah. But you look at what Gibbs was able to do in the last two years: seventy-eight of his ninety-three targets for eight hundred forty-eight yards and five scores, with twenty-eight broken tackles in that. Like he is an open-field yeah. disaster. Like you get him out there, he's going to totally. be a mismatch for anyone.
0: And the speed as well, right? The thing you have to come back to on CEA. People forget this. He ran like a four-six forty. Right. What We're talking about for Jameer Gibbs is possibly a sub 4.340. He has that kind of explosion in space that Andy Reid has always been really perhaps the best coach in the NFL in terms of getting your players in space, getting the, the kind of plays drawn up to take advantage of that. Look what he even did with McKinnon, yeah. all those big plays. He designs his offense to allow for that. Of course, Didn't have Tyree kill this year. So maybe they actually do go get a major playmaker like Gibbs that Andy Reid and Mahomes are going to to be able to to feed into that kind of scheme and take, you know, I just imagine big play after big play after big play with Gibbs in that offense. Now, Kansas City is a little bit interesting, right? They throw a ton inside the five and people will talk about, well, you know, that's going to hurt because Gibbs may not get a lot of that. Careful there, right? Okay, maybe he's not going to be viewed as a goal line back. Bama didn't even necessarily use him as a goal line back, but I think that Gibbs is going to get his. And again, it's very creative offense down there near the goal line. And so you could absolutely see them scheming in Jameer Gibbs in various different ways to score the ball. So I actually think that we're okay. And, and again, he's a yak god. He's going to take it and run with it in, in that kind of offense. You can't key on him because you got to worry about Kelsey. You got to worry about Mahomes. You got to worry yeah. about everything else, right? So,
1: McKinnon's a free agent, and I'm glad you brought him up because mm-hmm. just imagine a 10, eight year younger, more electric yeah. Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. I mean, right. and Jarek McKinnon down the stretch from weeks. 13 on, scored at least a touchdown in every game. He was winning you fantasy like championships. Yeah. He was. He finished the season as an R, at the RB20, but we're looking at down the stretch from 14 on was 33, 36, 14, 23. I mean, that's what gets you excited about Jameer Gibbs is this is yeah. McKinnon's likely going to move on if if they would draft a guy like, like mm-hmm. Gibbs. Pacheco would still have a role. But this is why we're talking about moving off a guy like Pacheco, moving off Clyde edwards hilaire before this happens. Because we know, you know, that, that organization is not thrilled with the running back position. You can't just assume that because they drafted a guy several years ago that it's going to be the same situation. You can't assume that we're yeah. not going to be replaced. Because how many times have we done that? You know, with the right the the Zach Stacey, they go get Todd Gurley. You know, and there are all these different situations where a guy has a nice year and then they move on to the next one. So... I think that 4-5 that Gibbs. Now, John, the, the difference maker there for me, and I, I keep hearing Keenan Allen is a potential you know casualty cut there for the cap space. If JSN would go to the Chargers, okay, okay. that instantly moves him back there. I keep yeah. teetering back and forth, and a lot's going to have to do with landing spot, but I'm not ready to mm-hmm. move anyone else in that Tier 3 yet. Those two guys are just neck and neck. And I, I, I toy back and forth with it every single day. You know, I'm just yeah. kind of going back yeah, and forth. Yeah, me too.
0: Me too. And I, I'm staying super fluid. And, you know, even from day to day, I'll, I'll watch a little bit more film. I'll listen to an analyst. And I what I've kind of determined, if I had to come back to this comparison one more time, now that we've broken down Gibbs, mm-hmm. you look at ceiling here. You want to get um, an early rookie pick that's going to give you a really solid ceiling. I think Gibbs absolutely gives you that. In this scenario... With JSN to the Patriots more so Mm -hmm. now JSN needs to end up in an offense that really features the slot. I agree. I loved your example about the chargers because I really just, that's kind of what I'm concluding is JSN is not going to be mixed in outside much um, really at all. He, he he doesn't really have that true alpha or take the top off the defense type speed. Now he's about the best route runner you could expect. He's going to eat in the slot, but We gotta see him go somewhere. We know that he's gonna just get absolutely peppered with targets in that role. And in this case, I'm not quite as excited uh, in terms of a ceiling than I would be with Gibbs.
1: My RB3, and I know it slightly differs from yours, a guy that I think can be a bell cow, Mm -hmm. an early day two pick like he is here. You know, Garrett has Zach Charbonnet going in at 312 to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, For me, there's there's no physical or special skill that you see with Charbonnet but the guy can do it all right there he's 6'1", 220 pounds, athletic tools but nothing's like elite like we're talking about with Bijan and JSN like the or not JSN but but Gibbs like he's not going to wow you as much as there i see a lot of james conner in his game but he's he's a, a good pass catcher 37 catches 320 yards Fantastic, you know, in between the tackles, 1,358 yards rushing this year. Now, here's where we get to an interesting spot, right? A lot of people are saying, I think Atlanta's a great landing spot. For me, you know, I've been saying sell Tyler Algier. You know, I think that's a spot where, like, he had a great year. He had 1,000 yards, so he still carries that maybe 23-second range value. But Atlanta might be looking for a guy here. Do these guys complement each other? Is this a good landing spot? I think that's the biggest thing. Because Charbonnet, and I know you have Evans at three, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit. Charbonnet is my three, you know, and I know we're in similar areas. Let's talk a little bit about that Atlanta landing spot, right? Because we're going to be looking at a, a new co- our new quarterback. We're going to be looking at a new scenario here. How does this shake out for you?
0: Yeah, I, and in, in in this box, too, I think it's important to point out that Atlanta did not take another quarterback, so we're still looking at a similar offense i think Mm -hmm. it's interesting for for charbonnet here because atlanta clearly wants to run the ball if you look at the run rate for a good portion of the season they were number one overall in terms of running the ball Mm -hmm. so i would consider selling algier i think that with corderel patterson kind of getting up there in age and kind of wearing down as the season goes on if atlanta does want to commit with arthur smith to keep committing to the mm-hmm. run there and we have a a quarterback that's probably going to be more of a true more game manager right I don't see these guys airing it even if it's Ritter um, kind of airing it out so I think Algiers is sell and I think that we could look at a committee but you're running the ball so much here mm-hmm. that you can see Charbonnet kind of in a 1A mixing in Algiers, maybe Patterson here and there and there's yeah. enough volume overall that it's it's a, it's actually a decent landing spot I don't think it blows either of us away where we're like, yes, perfect. My my biggest thing is –
1: Aside from Robinson, you know, and I, I think Gibbs is even going to go in and he's going to be a one A to someone's B one B, you know what I mean? I think Charbonnet there, there's no one that's yeah. going to go in there and just blow like Charbonnet sure, is good, sure. but there mm-hmm. are very few situations may, aside from maybe Carolina or some areas where he doesn't go in and dominate touches. I think, you know, he starts out at least as that one A one B would kind of take over, you know, a little bit more as the season goes on. And mm-hmm. I think that's, what you have to understand about Algier, what you have to understand about Pacheco, is if those deals, if if these guys do, and even in, um, you know, we're gonna talk about Buffalo a little bit. Same with James Cook. You know, we're gonna have. Yeah. There's definitely gonna be some competition coming in. The next one really kind of shocked me, and I and I liked it. Um, as as we have Roshan Johnson going to the Chargers, I think the Chargers are like a sneaky play. I mean, like we wanted Spiller to be that guy. The mm-hmm. the amount of touches for Spiller this year just was was upsetting right like Didn't they were at all, we we man. were trying to get so many other guys in there on the floor i think if not for Bijan John, John, John robinson johnson would be a little bit more of a household name i mean he's a power back yep. he could be a number 1 in a lot of different situations 6 foot 2 guy you know he has yeah, a knack for criti- what's yeah.
0: that yeah he's got the size the guy's he's yeah. ripped actually the dude is I mean, a unit
1: right at highest broken tackle rate in the country 85 85 broken tackles on just 189 attempts. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that I think we're kind of sleeping on a little bit, John, is a lot of people have him as a late second. If he gets a second round draft capital here and he gets in a situation where he is given the opportunity, if Eckler goes down, you know, Eckler's going to be a little bit older in age. This is a, a, a pretty nice landing spot here where I kind of mm-hmm. like it a little bit more as I thought about it.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And I've been a big fan and I'm kind of have to tell you, I'm laughing at the analytics community that are looking at kind of his, his stats on a per game basis versus some of the other running backs. I'm like, get out of here with that. Right. And you know, he, he's going to give you the ability to run between the tackles. He will actually stay on the field a lot on third downs, great pass protection, really tough guy that you could see them giving a workload to, and frankly, I think that the chargers could use someone like that. They, they were starting to struggle a bit because they weren't really able to establish the run. Now mm-hmm. I know what they've done with Eckler, but we all know as well that most of Eckler's production does come via the passing game and just continuing to feed him. I mean, he had so many targets and receptions. He's like mm-hmm. a, you know, a hundred receptions a year type guy to, to land a, you know, a top five type deal, but you're going to a really great offense. You get second round draft capital. I already have, Roshon Johnson, in my late second, I have been kind of creeping him up. He yeah. was very impressive right. at the Senior Bowl. He did end up breaking his hand. <laughs> I heard that they actually had to tell him, "Listen, Roshan, sorry, but we're not going to let you keep practicing at the Senior Bowl." Like the guy wanted to keep playing with a broken hand just to right. show out. Like so, guy yeah, is tough, and he's gonna he's gonna be a guy creeping up boards if he does land draft capital like this on a high powered offense. I so got gotta, him at 210. Like yeah, I got him at 210 okay. right now and I'm kind of okay. excited yeah, that's with about right. With seeing here
1: like right we start to check the boxes, we watch the film, we start mm-hmm. to, you know, look at some of the things. Soon we're going to have the combine so we can start checking those off. And this is a nice exercise because Garrett's given us a heads up on another thing is is draft capital and if he would go in the second round you you can't deny that i mean that's something where he is someone that's going they're they're fully committed to and i would be excited to kind of add him the next guy just twitter's going to be just amped about but at at 2.30 we're looking at the bills taking tank bigsby and i think tank bigsby going to the bills is going to catapult him up Draft boards. It's going to move him up into that. You know, p- some people are going to try to move him up into that same area as as Gibbs and, and JSM. But I mean, he's got that Lashawn McCoy esque lateral burst. I mean, I love watching him play. Mm-hmm. For th- he was behind the worst, like the third lowest graded <laughs> yeah, run blocking offense. Yeah, it was so uh-huh. bad, but he still earned you know ninety point four rushing grades. That was one of the highest there. 60 broken tackles. You know, 10 scores behind a brutal offensive line. And I think Buffalo is in a weird situation, John, where Josh Mm -hmm. Allen, I believe, has really covered up a lot of the warts of that offense. Yeah, no You know, like Singletary, we talked about him, you know, on our running back show a couple of weeks ago. And I think Tank Bigsby would give them that. I don't think James Cook gets completely removed. He's still that third down, change of pace back. But I think Bigsby jumps in that day one, day or RB situation where he is that first and second down type guy. And I think that would move him way up draft boards. Like whoever goes to Buffalo, people are going to get excited about.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and you know, I think that this is a situation with with the the landing spot where people might actually end up overreacting to it. And I saw agreed a few people kind of jump in the thread and kind of like, hey, be careful with how much you would bring up Tank Bigsby. But I, I've already got – Tank Bigsby kind of in a similar tier as Charbonnet. Mm -hmm. um, As well, we didn't see Kendra Miller here, but um, with with Kendra Miller and with Sean Tucker. And so I kind of have them similar, you know, I have them at the bottom of that tier, but the talent is absolutely there with Tank Bigsby. I think that, you know, would Buffalo really commit to running the ball a bit more? I think that they probably need to. I mean, we saw Mm -hmm. what happened with Josh Allen with the elbow injury. And that kind of ended up hampering that offense down the stretch. They need to keep Josh Allen healthy. They need somebody that can count on. And and frankly, they really do need another weapon in that offense um, to to keep it balanced. So Tank Bixby would probably, I would guess, be the 1A. I would be a little concerned, number one, with James Cook still being there and getting a lot of the passing down work, which could Mm -hmm. lower the ceiling of Tank Bixby, and just How much the Bills really run the ball in at the goal line in in the red zone. I think Singletary had five five rushing touchdowns, not super exciting. But so I think in in general, I love Tank Bixby and Buffalo, very excited about it. But I'm just kind of talking to myself through this process like, try not to overreact too much here. But I think he's going to, he would end up consistently going in the first round of rookie drafts. In that situation with that draft capital
1: yeah and and the the nice part is and we did that podcast a couple weeks ago in these 23 seconds and i think they just keep getting better and better right because some of these running backs are going to yeah. move up based yeah. on their landing spot they're going to move some of those A's. i had tank Bigsby, i believe at 204 we were in that area you know if he goes to yeah. buffalo i feel like he firmly moves up into that 112 110 to 112 yeah. area Based I think on that's your, right And Mm -hmm. we always say draft based off of talent, not need. But that's going to give you an area where maybe Boutte falls into the second round. We're already starting to see Josh Downs fall into that early second round. And that that early second, that 201 to 205 is getting juicier by the day. Like that is, I'm I'm doing this thing right now where I'm trying to, we talked about it, where I'm trying to package veterans like a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. If I take like... 210 and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and try to move up to 204. I know that seems like nothing, but that that 201 to 205 range is just juicy. Like I'm I'm excited yeah. to be in that range with Me all too. my picks. And uh you know, it this year, and we talked about it, you know, the best way to do your your punts, to do your your rebuilds is to get that 101. And this year, you're getting that two hundred one, which is like an extra first round pick. Like it is, it is right. that good. So that that's something we've been really advocating. And and another guy's going to go in that area. He went in the third round in in the, this particular mock. And this is and then I want to talk about the tier here because we kind of have these guys in a similar area. Is Zach Evans to the Bears? Now I kind of like the yep. Bears landing spot for a couple different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know everybody's out there saying go buy a Khalil Herbert, and I I loved Khalil Herbert. But I think we're in a situation where they're gonna they got so much money they're they are either going to bring someone in on a contract, one of these, you know, high profile running backs, or they're gonna draft someone like Zach Evans. And I think Zach Evans is a much better running back than Khalil Herbert. Zach Evans would come in and be that that you know primary ball carrier there for an offense that Montgomery's stats fell. As Fields started to progress, so there is a little bit of worry there. Whoever goes to Chicago, just like you said with Philadelphia, they're going to lose yeah. some rushing touchdowns. They're going to lose some areas in there. But I think Zach Evans. This would at least give him an opportunity to start, and I think really shine in the NFL because he's someone that I have in this the same tier here of after this draft. And I want you to first we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Evans, but in this tier right now, you know mm-hmm. I think we would be moving Evans. Bigsby, Charbonnet, all would move into that tier three. And, and really, it would be a good debate.
0: Yeah, I, 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 in this scenario with Garrett Price's mock, I am so high on Zach Gavins. I would very much consider keeping him as my RB3 overall. Yeah. And I do kind of like That's this what I did. landing spot in Chicago. I mean, if you just kind of break this down, I, I think that the fear of Justin Fields taking away in his own rushing hurt you know is is real and it would hurt to some degree but here's the thing you <laughs> defenses are going to be constantly keying in on justin field and trying to contain him that mm-hmm. takes the attention off the running back david montgomery actually had 10 touchdowns overall yep five on the ground five receiving Khalil Herbert had another four rushing touchdowns so look I mean that offense will continue to improve I believe with Justin Fields continuing to, m- to mature and using a, a talent like Zach Evans with with that kind of draft capital would, would be pretty sexy, I think. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overreact too much there. And again, like just from a yardage perspective, Montgomery had over 1100 yards this past season. So there's, there's plenty to be had in that offense. And again, you can't just key in and stack the box on the running back when he got Justin Fields as a quarterback. So it, it kind of balances things out a bit there. Talent-wise, Evans, Bigby, Bigsby, or Charbonnet? I have Evans talent-wise as a step above those guys right now. And and again, why? I, I, I really think that he has the, the most well-rounded skill set, his ability mm-hmm. to run inside. He does have the size. He can absolutely mix it in in space. He can receive the ball. He's, he was the most efficient running back in the entire class. Mm-hmm. Every touch that he did get, Was really impressive. I had knocked him for the longest time on his his you know getting losing work to Judkins there at Ole Miss, and and I kind of get that. But when you when you watch him on film and you actually look at what he did with the touches he had, very very impressive guy. He's been doing it since high school when he was one of the top rated number five recruits um, coming out of high school, basically right up there with Bijan. In that recruiting class, and so people are like, "Ah, small sample size. We just haven't seen it long enough." I disagree. He's been doing it for a long time now, and we've seen enough to me from a talent perspective to put him just a just a notch above those other two.
1: Yeah, and you, I mean, I, I have him and him and Charbonnet both above Bigsby. Charbonnet yeah, is, is that
0: yeah.
1: great contact balance, four point one five yards after contact this year. Like that's insane. He looked yeah. he looked great. Now he here's the, here's the tricky part, John is. Now, let's talk about the landing spots. Chicago, mm-hmm. Buffalo, Atlanta. What is the most prime landing spot out of the three for
0: you? Well, certainly Buffalo is going to be the best overall offense but, and best but is overall it, opportunity. But here's I, the I, I, question. Like, Is yeah. that
1: going to be a trap, right? Because, I mean, do they move into that area or is one of these mm-hmm. other offenses feel like there could be a higher ceiling for well, that guy's fantasy production?
0: Th- that's kind of what I'm thinking here too because if you look at – kind of just the overall production that you expect there's that's the least competition is going to be Chicago, Mm -hmm. right? Because we just talked about in Atlanta, you you, Algier did have a pretty good season. Patterson is still there. And with the bills, we know, James Cook's still going to be there, possibly others that they, that could go grab. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Khalil Herbert I think is for sure more of the one B and when you bring in a talent like Evans, that landing spot from a floor and overall, volume production Mm -hmm. perspective i think it's really just about as solid as the other two but these are the kinds of things that are it's important to start talking about this stuff now like i'd love to hear from the community what you all think about this so i can kind of process these landing spots a bit more too but again my off-season process is really to get these guys in tiers from a talent perspective and then you're moving them around within those tiers based on draft capital and Landing spots, so there wasn't a huge amount of movement for me because I already had Zach Evans a little higher. There wasn't a, another landing spot for me in this particular scenario with Garrett Price's mock that caused me to change that versus what I had it pre-landing spot based on talent. If that makes sense. So those other scenarios, yeah. those
1: other scenarios are coming up now in the third round. <laughs> okay, Sean, here
0: we go. Sean Tucker
1: yeah. to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Tajay Spears to the Dolphins. That is my number one Woo. landing spot. And then uh, even uh, H- when then we have Devin Chain going to Arizona. So mm-hmm. let, let's start to unpack this a little bit. I mean, you know, Tucker lands in a, in a fantastic offense that who knows what the situation is with Mixon now. I like that a lot. I might be even willing to, to bump him up into that, you know, the tier above. Tajay Spears, after an amazing season, goes out, flashes at the Senior Bowl. And can you imagine his speed? Mixed with McDaniel's play calling, like that's one that just makes me drool where he's gonna be jumping way up. And then, you know, I I've been lower than consensus on A-Chain just because of the size. But if you look at we'd be looking at a guy that the draft capital, if he goes in that third round, the tape is unbelievable. Like, I watch him and the way he cuts and his speed, like this guy is unbelievable but 185 pounds just scares the crap out of me so in that situation maybe he goes there and he's the third down change of pace guy to james connor spears is the guy that's still going to work in but miami has some older running backs so i mean that's a, another exciting one let's let's unpack this just a little bit because i know we want to move into comparing him into the 22s and 23s but out of this scenario talk to me quick on tucker going to cincinnati spears going to miami and hane going to the cardinals
0: this would be a lot of fun. Like, the- right, this is
1: where we wish some of the. Like, if Evans, <laughs> if you told me Evans went to Miami, like, I would, I would jump him way up there. Like, I would even start to have him starting to be creep into that tier three with Gibbs, you know, and with JSN, just because that would be like the ideal situation, in my estimation.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Miami, you could make the argument in the. Mike McDaniel offense there in Miami that is predicated on speed and using the running backs in in, in the way that they have would be a, a really fun scenario. I, I would I think that the again, very savvy dynasty community that would quickly pick up on that. The Spears hype would get out of control with this kind of draft capital and that landing spot because again, the speed is on display and very much utilized there. I would almost get I have to tell you, a little bit concerned about the situation for him, his ability to stay healthy. Now, he has he has added weight, and in mm-hmm. the senior bowl, he he weighed in at like 204, and put on 7 to 10 pounds, and he's he didn't lose any of the, the speed and burst. So the ceiling here would be so fun. But remember, he did have an ACL injury. You know, he mm-hmm. it looks like he's fully recovered, but there's some history there. He would kind of worry a little bit. Of, so this is kind of like a risk-reward scenario. But you and I, we play Dynasty to win. We like taking a little bit of risk. The reward on Spears could get him very much into that early second range. And I think we might see, see people taking shots in the late first. Yeah. But I, just the overall profile, I might hesitate. To yeah, put I'm not there, doing but, it. You know, I'm not quite there like that kind of hype. Yeah. there's so many well, other college players here. Yeah. Let's
1: start. Let's start to combine them with the 2022s because you know how I take the information that I get and I try to make it applicable to what we just saw. You know, we just saw rookies and we want to see where they're at in that situation. And a lot of people were saying, "Well, let's move Spears up to like five overall out of that list." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, pump the brakes a little bit. We're getting excited." You know, so let's talk a little bit about tier one for me. We don't need to get into a lot. It's Bijan and Brees. You know, and I, a lot of people, I'm like. Are getting, I can't hear a lot of people in the community be like, ah, I'm not sure about you know what should we should do with Brees Hall. I mean, listen, 5.8 yards per carry, 80 carries for 463 yards. His 5.8 was almost a full yard above anyone else in this rookie class. He's a guy, 19 catches, 11.5 yards per reception. I saw what I needed to from Brees Hall to have him be my RB2 overall. I'm not debating that anymore. I feel like these two guys with their age, with their upside, have, have separated themselves. But let's start talking about the next tier down, right? The next tier down, Walker. I, I Sometimes I put him up into tier one. Sometimes I don't quite, you know, but then I have him and Gibbs in that tier two. So if you're out there right now and someone comes yeah. to you, John, and they're like, you know, I want to get Gibbs at 104. How much more, you know, how close do you have Walker and Gibbs?
0: I have them very similarly. The thing... I would tell you is Walker is going to be a a safer floor Mm -hmm. scenario. He's going to have more overall production. And, and look, I mean, in his rookie year, they fed him once uh, he, he was established there as the, the guy he, he was, he was getting such consistent production that it's, it's understandable to put him, in that same tier as gibbs but kids we just talked about it. he's the ceiling play and in the chiefs offense i think you would consider him in that same tier he's going to have more big plays he'll be more active in the receiving game than walker would be but i really like them both these are these are going to be two very fun rookies that are going to change the landscape in in the nfl they're just very different type players in yeah. how they get their production
1: I think Walker's special. I mean, like he, from he, what he I really was watching and like yeah. the more, even just after talking about it, I feel like if, cause we look at it and you got to look at so many different things right now, you're looking at where Walker's draft value is. And he's going that late second, but the 104 is going somewhere mid third, you know, or, or even later sometimes. I think, I think Walker just, there's the excitement of that rookie pick, but I think Walker is like you said, that safer floor. He co-led and evaded tackles with 68 this year, just showcased, Rare speed, patience, elusiveness. Like I, I, I'm trying to buy him. It's, it's too late in those situations. So we want to assess who the next guys are. The next tier below that, and this is where it gets a little bit fun. We already discussed it a little bit, but out of the two classes, my RB five would be Evans. My RB six would be Bigsby, and my RB seven would be Charbonnet. And I think what I keep telling oh, I everybody could. is. Tiers above rankings. We're in a very early stage of this. And I I had someone just flip out on me because I had Bigsby above Charbonnet. And I'm like, it's because of the landing spot. If you look at all my previous work, I think the talent's a little bit different. But this is a a fun area here where can you see any of these guys jumping up into that same area as Gibbs? We talked about it a little bit. Like, I think the value of all these guys... Evans right now is what, going in that 107 to 110 range. Bigsby, be, before the Buffalo landing spot, we're talking early second. Charbonnet was a late first. Don't overreact to these landing spots, but don't underreact.
0: Yeah, all such good advice. I want to reinforce this. That is absolutely our process is you're putting them in tears right now. You're taking in information. You're staying very fluid. There's a reason why I kind of keep tweaking because like I hadn't seen that or I hadn't heard that and i overlook that and you kind of stay humble and keep taking inputs here now for me the guy that's why that we could, do this in february yeah. right i saw oh, i saw right one now. analyst yeah. said
1: i can't believe some jokers out there in the community are starting to talk rookies already i'm like starting to dude we've been doing this since since january 1st and <laughs> we're putting to the you party, pal. we are putting you in a position where you like john said you can add a little bit right like you don't want to show up to the test on te- you know, without any kind of studying. You don't wanna just show up on draft day without these all these different things. And we're gonna we're gonna look at the combine. We're gonna look at what we're doing now with all these different processes. Then the NFL draft is gonna come and we're gonna have you in position where you are going to be able to make the most educated decision. And I think that's what this All these different exercises we're running through is to make you see the landing spots, make you see the draft capital, all these things that matter. So, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off with that. I just like I read that the other day and I got so floored because he's like, guys, just show up, you know, late May and we'll figure this thing out. And I'm like, man,
0: no, we should be talking about what these landing spots and what this draft capital will do to influence our final tiers and eventually rankings right we have to input the combine next Mm -hmm. right and even before we get to the draft things will stay fluid i think to come back to your question the guy that i still think could potentially end up in that top tier for me still is zach evans Mm -hmm. but right now based on everything that i'm taking in and hearing the draft capital may or may not be there but if he gets round two draft capital that probably would be enough for me to consider him there, but I got to see the landing spot as well. There's a lot that we'd have to consider. How well mm-hmm. does he do at the combine? I think he's got the most overall potential out of this. Uh, but I, I don't, again, I think we keep coming back to, there's there's got to be some really compelling draft capital and landing spots for me to change up my rankings and tiers dramatically. Yeah. Right. That's the thing we're trying to say here is, we're going through all we this- see- so that we, we don't. You know, as long
1: yeah. as we see a second or third round draft capital, right? Because historically yes. speaking, That's right. fourth That's rounders right. can hit. We've had Aaron Jones. We've had guys like that. We've had guys that have hit. But like fourth rounders historically, you know, it's that second and third rounder where most of your your pure bread running backs, those guys. And yeah, you're going to have contributors that show up in the fourth round, even contributors that show up in the fifth round. But right now we're talking about running backs where Charbonnet looks like he's consistently getting mocked in that second round. And Bigsby and Evans in that some mocks are second, some mocks are third. I see Evans have the biggest swing out of the three. It almost seems like Charbonnet is kind of. It seems like he, almost every draft he's going there. Occasionally a guy will have Evans up above. Occasionally they'll have Evans way below. So he's that 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 dark horse there, where he's going to be one way or
0: another and really change yeah. the way things look. And here's another thing we should talk about for a minute. You know, coming back to those guys that you rattled off um, before, we kind of broke it down there was, you know, for one example was Sean Tucker to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And we also talked about someone going to the Chargers. And what I think will happen here is the Dynasty community will overreact to them being behind an already established starter, right. like a Joe Mixon. Those are opportunities that you can take advantage of, right? Because we have an aging running back in Joe Mixon with a, mm-hmm. with a potential step function increase in his contract. Right. In, I think anyone in that, 20,
1: that 2017 class, the Cook, the Kamara, anybody there yeah, who fill in the mental, blank, right? mentally yeah. were like, those guys are studs. I don't want a guy behind him, but you know, you, I you think go, it's a cook.
0: huge discount. Exactly. I, I mean, I, like I would it. love Sean Tucker in that scenario, and I don't know if that surprises you all, well, but that's why we do these pots. I would mm-hmm. love that situation because I think it would be pretty clear that they would move on from Mixon. You have perhaps a top five offense with respect to just putting up fantasy points, Mixon even in a kind of poor efficiency year still (laughs) dropped crazy production Mm -hmm. in that offense throughout the year. Lots of touchdowns worked them in to the passing game. So he started um,
1: to, I mean, if you look at it fantasy wise and you just look at the numbers, you're like, okay, but then you look and he had that 50 plus point game there where he blew up and the the production on Mixon and the production on Dalvin cook did start to drop a little bit, you know, and those were guys where we get someone in there, you get somebody in behind, you know, even James Conner, like we're talking about with a chain, you, you want to look at those kind of things, two guys that were saved by Garrett's mock. And I, I got mm-hmm. a lot of criticism about where I had them. It was my, out of the two classes, my RB8, Rashad White, and my RB9, Damian Pierce. So what you have to look at is a couple of things. One, the Bucks have already said that they're, they're toying with the idea of rebuilding, right? We're like, let's see what happens. And Rashad White has the PPR chops, you know, 50 of 58, 50 catches on 58 targets. He showed that he could be, you know, one of those, I mean the fact that he wasn't even starting in the beginning and then just got a couple yeah. different opportunities. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's screaming RB one. If Leonard Fournette leaves and I'm, I'm going out there and I'm making offers right now because you can have him for a 23 second, you know? And I think, I think that would be an ideal situation where he's able to, yeah, they'll probably bring someone else in there. But I think Rashad White has RB1 potential with his PPR chops, you know, and I think that's yeah. someone that excites me a little bit. I'm not saying pay yeah. any for don't pay a first. Don't pay any any first at all. But if you can get him in a second round, you know, in that yeah. 203, 204, 205 range, I think it's a worthwhile buy. And then the other guy that I mm-hmm. man, John, mm-hmm. I get I get so much flack whenever I endorse him. But I mean, Damian Pierce. So in this particular <laughs> I, I know I was I was crapping on Damian Pierce when he, people were paying 23 first for him because that was just stupid. But now, I mean, you got to look at what's going on, right? So yeah. in this particular mock, Houston doesn't take yes. a running back. D'Amico mm-hmm. Ryans comes in from that Shanahan tree, yeah. likely going to hire an offensive coordinator who prefers a, a run-heavy scheme, just like Shanahan, and I think... Pierce, you know he's a guy that's going to be in that thousand yard type area. I mean, he averaged four point three yards per carry. That checks the box. Two hundred twenty attempts for nine thirty nine, four touchdowns, broke thirty five tackles. I think I, you, if you can go out there and I would not buy Damian Pierce until after the draft day, and I know that's the tricky part, right? Like, so if you if you wait, you're not going to get him at that price. But if you could get him right now, I saw a guy trade the two oh six for him, you know, and I think oh, okay. I think that's good value there. Potentially, but if they draft someone, you know, that that changes everything. I think both of these scenarios are teams that are rebuilding that should focus in other areas that I think you could see Rashad White and Damian Pierce both being starting running backs in 2023 and you're buying them at a discount.
0: Well, I think that's the thing. And, you know, okay, for the longest time, people were kind of reacting to Damian Pierce getting overvalued. But at this point, it sounds like he is kind of appropriately... Rated, right? And he, you know, he was a fourth-round draft pick. I think he was mm-hmm. 107th overall. And so, you know, some of the community remembers that and you know kind of knock him for going a little bit later. But, that, again, fourth round is, is not a death sentence. And in this situation, no one else was drafted. And what else did we do? Well, we got Bryce Young in there. And Garrett also had Quinton Johnston going to the Texans. So, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that offense is on the rise – who else is going to be taking carries for the Texans? Yeah. Nobody on the roster right now, but Rex Burkhead. Yeah. So I could see a nice volume situation in an improved offense with an improved coaching staff. Really love D'Amico Ryan's. That was that had to be um, my favorite coaching move so yeah. far this offseason. Really love that. Brings in some toughness. You could see them really trying to establish the run, and as Bryce Young starts to establish himself in that offense, so. I actually agree with you. Damian Paris would be on the rise for me. Now, do do you make the move now for a two hundred six? I probably would. Yeah, mid, mid I'm not paying second. a first.
1: I would pay no, no. two hundred four or later without and and try to sell it on the risk. Be like, I don't know if he's gonna you know, necessarily be the guy or try to disguise it in a deal somewhere. Uh, the the next tier is interesting, right? So the next tier, 10 through 12, we're looking at Sean Tucker going to Cincinnati. Brian Robinson, who in this particular mock, again, you know, the commanders did not take a running back. So I, I had him in that same area. And, and Tajay Spears. So Spears and Tucker obviously are the new, more exciting names. You know, those are the guys that are going to get that draft capital. Those are the guys that we're going to be kind of jumping into that area. Um, but Brian Robinson, I mean, him running out to, uh, to many men by 50 cents, still Incredible.
0: just a, a bit, yeah, chills.
1: you know, 205 carries for, for 797 yards. I understand he managed just 3.9 yards per carry. You know, it wasn't exciting there, but I think you still have to, I'm not paying a second for him right now, you know? And I think that's yeah. the tricky part. I, I put him there just based off this particular mock, but I think Tucker you know, firmly going to Cincinnati is that early second Spears moves himself into the mid second Robinson's probably number 12 out of that group. Now that I look at it a little bit closer just because of where they're at in those situations. But again, we talked about Tucker. We talked about Spears. We all want Antonio Gibson to get the ball a little bit more because you and I both love him, but (laughs) that's, we're going to have to wait until the next contract. Um, The tricky part is where do we, the hardest person for me to really lock down the two hardest people and I have them it's the at at 12 and 30 or 13 and 14 here is is cook 13 14 15 cook mm-hmm. and then I have Algier and then I have Pacheco and it's like what happens to their roles you know and I think this is a, a constantly moving type thing that we're, we're because I think Cook maintains a bigger role Algier had the best season out of the three, but we're looking at if if Charbonnet comes there, that's the highest draft capital. There's so much we have to unpack when we're talking about a a mid-level running back, right? We talk about so many times you hear dynasty nerds and other people say running backs have a two to three year window. That is literally the definition of your Brian Robinsons, your Pacheco's, your Algier's, your your, those guys that get drafted a little bit later have two or three years in the league. Cook seems like someone who's going to have that PPR chops to be last a little bit longer, but might have the lowest value out of those three. So let's talk a little bit about those three guys.
0: Well, again, I think your point is dead on that a team is definitely going to look at the investment that they made. That's one of the reasons that draft capital matters so much because just like anybody that invests in something, you want to get the ROI out of that. If you didn't really invest as much, they didn't have the, you know, the price tag for the organization, they're less likely to, you know, there's some, there's some offices that are different guys that really truly don't care about draft capital. But um, I, I think that's the concern with all the guys you rattled off there, that they're not quite as an an investment from, Mm -hmm. for the organization. But I do think, you know, James Cook for me does stick out as, as being uh, probably the, the most valuable of those guys. And yeah, he could get drafted over, but, He has enough talent, and he showcased it. He was taking more and more touches away from Singletary down the stretch. He's still in a really strong offense. There's risk with all these guys, though, because of what we've been talking about for the past few pods because this free agent and rookie running back class. So I don't think we're advocating going out to really go after any of these guys. But like everything else, at the right value, it might be worth considering.
1: I think James Cook is the only one that I would actively buy out of the three. I think so, too. Um, I think talk talking
0: because myself into that. If you yeah. look
1: at things, I mean, 507 yards, two touchdowns, 5.7 yards per carry was surprising when I started to look at things. You know, 11, 15-plus yard runs was second among all rookies, 21 receptions, and I, I think we started to see, I mean, maybe there's a scenario, John, where James Cook becomes Devin Singletary and then they take, you know, they, they take a guy like... Uh, Roshon Johnson or they, you know, they take another mm-hmm. bigger, bigger running back somewhere. You know, this yeah. is something that we're going to have to look at throughout, see what Buffalo really thinks they have in James Cook. They'll have because if forward, they take okay. a guy in the second, that really tells me what they think of James Cook. If they take a guy in a third, we'll see if it's in 1A, 1B. If they wait till the fourth, then, then James Cook goes from a guy that's like, okay, an afterthought to he puts himself in a, into a situation where he's going to increase in value. Algier yeah. is, is different to me. I mean, I thought he played fantastic. I, I really did. Like, it was a surprise for me that he was yeah. up over a 1,000 yards, zero fumbles, 16 receptions, you know, and he just kind of slowly, steadily did his did his thing. I think he takes him and Pacheco, based off their skill set, takes the biggest knock if someone goes there. And again, it's, it's all about draft capital. If Algier's there and they take... A-chain, or they take one of these running backs, or maybe even Spears goes to the Falcons, okay, Algiers still going to maintain maybe some of that early-down work. But if they draft a guy in the second, the third round, he really drops yeah. off quite a bit. Well, you know? well, and I think, right.
0: right, and one of the reasons we were so surprised by Algiers' performance is because he went in the fifth round of the NFL draft. And that's where yeah. just the numbers tell you you're not going to see as much success there again. Not as much of an investment in him, so... If the Falcons and Arthur Smith want to get another playmaker in there and, and we see an early pick like we did in this case, there's more risk for Algier because of his later draft cap is what we're saying. And I think what I do with these guys,
1: what I do with Algier, what I do with Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe even Khalil Herbert, these guys that are in a situation where they could lose value, right? We always talk about trying to insulate that value, trying to take away – an opportunity to make that worth more. So if I could trade Algier and a 24 second for a 24 first for a non-savvy you know owner who might be a, know your league, maybe a Falcons fan, maybe a guy who really was big on what he did and you played in a redraft league with him or try to move some things around, maybe put Pacheco in a third to move yourself up to 203, 204. Take these guys, treat them as capital because if I have to start Isaiah Pacheco or Algier you know, I, I'm in it or Brian Robinson next year. I'm not in a position to win. Like, that's just how I look at it. Those type of players are yeah, guys that I don't own very often. I draft them in the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round. You know, I draft them in my rookie picks as, as those guys that I'm just taking a w- a shot mm-hmm. on. And guess mm-hmm. what? Most times they don't continuously pan out. You know, the, the amount of times that we get that guy who was taken in the fifth round and then they produce two, three, four years in a row. It, it's, it's, it's a handful of guys, you know, it's next to nothing. So if you can play the odds and start moving yourself up, maybe get yourself from 212 to 206, maybe Algiers helped you win a championship, but you can package in and move around and get yourself up, move up in the draft, get yourself in to get some of these guys. Cause John and I have really been advocating for the second round, John. I mean, like Big time. this is where things go. Who's the biggest riser based off of this particular thing? I don't want yeah. to say Kendra Miller's the biggest loser out of this group. I, you and I love him. Garrett yeah. didn't have him drafted have in the first three rounds. I yeah. know. I wanted to text him right away and Let's be like, get what, on what the happened show, there? Talk through. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but who's the biggest riser out of this group for you? And then who would be the biggest dropper or <laughs> faller yeah. out of just this exercise?
0: Yeah, I mean, specifically with the running backs, I think that it's Tajay Spears because yeah. he gets third round draft capital and he goes to Miami. And for all the reasons we said earlier, the hype would be out of control. Now, I think we, we said, hey, let's take a measured approach to this. But I think he would be the biggest riser for me and probably an even bigger riser in the overall community. And I think that Jameer Gibbs, too, jumps a, potentially a tier. I mm-hmm. think Bigsby going to Buffalo, I think, huge would really help himself a lot there. And then Roshan Johnson. Yeah. I, I don't think that he would be available any longer – in this scenario, certainly not in the third, maybe not in the late second. He's gonna be creeping more into the mid-second range if you go early second round to the Chargers. So I think those are the biggest risers. The followers, for sure, we didn't see Kendra Miller go, uh, which is a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, You know, A-chain has been kind of rumored to be going early day two, and he, he kind of went more in the third which is kind of what I would expect, and mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I think you and I have had some concerns on his size, so this would maybe potentially hurt him. But um, yeah, those are some some of the guys that I would have to knock a bit on on my my board in this particular mock.
1: My biggest riser would be Bijan. No, you can't can't go up anymore. You know, like everyone's like, hey, is there a situation where he moves up for you? I have heard people taking him as early as 108, and there are eight stud quarterbacks where that would just scare me. Like, you can't go and take Bijan up above, you know, Fields or or some of these yeah. other guys or, or you know, be Joe sure Burrow. Like, you're going to burn yourself, you know, and I, I but for me, the, my biggest takeaway out of this thing is I'm starting to put things together is that I, I'm starting to like Kenneth Walker more and ready to put him into that tier one. I'm starting to go make some offers for Pearson white, not overpaying, but if I can go and I, I'm a win now team and I can add okay. one of those guys instead mm-hmm. of, you know, an uncertain pick at 205, 206, 207. two Oh six, two Oh seven. I'm just, I'm just kicking the tires, you know, like this is a part of that process. and, for me, I mean, obviously, you covered the rookies real well. I'm trying to sell Robinson. I'm trying to sell Pacheco. I'm trying to sell Algiers. I'm I'm really I like the players. I don't love the players. I think we get off the profiles and we start to sell them. Biggest rookie riser, though, you know, like I gotta love as as a Bills and an Eagles guy, Bijan coming to to either of them or even Bigsby. I mean, like these It'd running be backs, incredible. yeah. And I, I, John, we keep talking about this every show, and we got it like a couple more minutes here. Everyone keeps saying this class, like they went from it being fantastic to they're okay, they're mediocre now. And people are starting to talk about 24 ones already, like they're giving up on this class. And I know Dynasty Cyclical, we talk about it all the time, but like, stop, just stop. Let's just appreciate that this class, one through five, is ridiculous. And then it's like six through 16 are gonna be firm contributors to your dynasty sure. team. Yeah. And the 24 class is exciting. You know, and we know, you know, the 101 next year might be worth more than the 101 this year or pretty similar. But it's like, let's not, let's not push out. I have so many guys saying, hey, I got the 107 and I don't like anything in there. And I'm hearing something, someone wrote something negative on Jordan Addison. Someone wrote something negative on Quentin Johnson. Early part of this process, John and I like to tell you the good things about these guys, right? We start getting analysts in and we start breaking things down, but it's like, let's not sell 107, 108. Let's not start selling these picks like these players aren't going to hit.
0: Yeah, it's such good advice. Hang in there. There's a reason why I've been talking about these guys for so long. The early second of this class, in my mind, is worth what a 22 late first is worth. Think about it that way. And an early first is worth well more than... A 22 first, and for sure, just the value of these picks now versus 24. This whole season that you have coming up, Mm -hmm. you have to value um, versus waiting another year. So uh, don't give up on this class right now just because you hear analysts that are critiquing it. That's what we do. You know, we're not just watching the highlights anymore. We're really breaking down film, we're really looking at their profiles, and we do critique them. That's all part of the process, though. Hang in again, the value of these 23 picks will continue to rise as we approach these rookie drafts can't wait and we're
1: still on Bijan watch i gotta say the most ridiculous trade that i've seen so far this week was garrett wilson in the 103 for the 101 and i'm like if you are using garrett wilson as a (laughs) as, as a way to move up two picks like just stop just just stop you know like if you have that 101 you can float it out there don't trade it yet but if you get a trade like that where Smash someone's going to give you an elite wide receiver one to move up two spots. You go for it. So thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Hey.